Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Man, I feel like a woman. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and this is part two in our Women of Faith series, In God's Hands. Now, for those of you that missed the first show, you can pick it up on iTunes, you can pick it up on PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, you can pick it up under uh, Toginet, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com, our Women in Faith series, and our guest is Lisa Dietrich, so you can Google either of those names, LisaDietrich.com, and I'm going to spell that for you, Lisa, L-I-S-A, Dietrich, D-E-T-R-E-S.com. She has a lot of great writing out there. If you're, you're seeking information, she's smart, she's articulate, she gets it, she's read the Bible a lot, she's studied this her whole life, she's a mother, she's a grandmother, she gets it, so she is my personal spiritual like Christian guide, if you have one, and girlfriend. Um, and then you can also read her articles on Bouncing with Style, B-O-N-U-C-I-N-G with W-I-T-H, Style. That is an online magazine that my company owns, and it produces for the sheer reason of bringing the writings from the experts for my 400-plus radio hours. I get to meet a lot of cool people. I'm bringing them all into one place, Bouncing with Style. It's all about recovering. It's all about rebounding, bouncing with style from crisis from trauma, from whatever it is you're going through, I'm going to give you the tools to bounce, rebound back with style. Now, today's show, we're going to talk about uh, about like how to buy a Bible, where to begin, you know, how to choose a, a Bible study, you know, things like that. It gets so overwhelming because if you just Google you know, the word Christian on the internet, it's insane how much stuff comes up, and there's videos, and and you don't know, you know, like when you're a beginner like me, or I was, I'm still a beginner, but, you know, you look at this stuff, and you see, like, holy bananas, you know, where do I begin, how do I start this stuff, I don't, I don't get it, like, how do I know what I'm listening to is right, and so then I thought I'd walk into this Christian bookstore, and I thought that would solve my dilemma, and I looked at this wall, all of Bibles, and I'm like, I had no idea there's like different versions, and you know, one was written by a king or something like that, or Jesus is the king, I don't know, King James, whoever he is, you know, but but that's, you know, and then there's the NIV, and it's like, is that the Department Institute of Health? I mean, that's that's what was going through my head, you know, like the DMV, the NIV, I have no idea what these things mean, they're meaningless to me, and the kid at the cashier, he knew less than I did, so we were in some rough shape. 
And I called my friend Lisa Dietrich out of Oregon because she is one of the most magnificent women of faith, a leader of women, someone who I go to with my questions. And I thought, okay, all right, let's bring her on the show. Let's have the same conversations I had with her on the air because if I'm an educated, successful single mother of two who runs a company and I don't get it, there's got to be more women out there like me. So Lisa, welcome back to Women of Faith in God's Hands. Thank you, Sandra, and I'm, I'm humbled by your words. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure, the pressure. Oh, my goodness. Um, and and I, I feel like I know so little. I, I, it, <laughs> I You know, it's funny. I, I, many years ago, I decided to take some classes in Christian apologetics at a, at a college that is actually no longer there. It was kind of absorbed by Biola University. It was called Simon Greenleaf University. And um, I was just loving it, these classes. And somehow I found my way into a, a Koine Greek class where we're studying the Greek that was uh, the New Testament was written in. And I'm sitting in here pregnant with my fourth child going, what am I doing in here? I'm not going to be a pastor. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I made it through the class, but I, I can't tell you it was all Greek to me. <laughs> quite was literal. it in Greek? Um, well, we were learning the Greek language, which actually, because, you know, it's kind of funny, um, we were talking on the last show about your your Lutheran uh, church. I, I went to a Lutheran high school, and we learned Latin. It was two years of Latin there, and I'm so glad we did, because then I got into Greek, and I'm like, oh, this is very similar to the Latin I learned back in high school. Um, so I did learn some things, but not enough to be a scholar by any sense of the term, and I really rely a lot on um, sort, you know, um, kind of seeking, you know, what does this word mean? What does that word mean? Because, you know, the Bible has been translated into lots of languages, and I really believe God is big enough and smart enough to give us his word in a language we can understand without us having to go and learn Hebrew and Latin and Greek so that we can fully understand what he means, has to say to us. And um, I know that's that's kind of controversial because some people will say you can't really understand the Bible unless you speak Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Um, which I'm sure there's, you know, hit, uh, detailed meanings that maybe get lost in translation as anything gets lost in translation. The word taco comes to mind right now. I don't know why. <laughs> Probably it's lunchtime. Well, I was thinking food too, maybe because it's getting close to lunchtime. I don't know. But I was thinking about like some of my Ukrainian and German relatives that came over here that couldn't speak English. And, you know, but, and they could learn to make American food probably better than some of the Americans. And it's like, you don't have to always speak the language. And I get about the purists. I get about these things. But, you know, when somebody is sitting next to me on a recumbent bike and leans over to me, you know, while I'm reading a book in a gym in Southern California and, and during my darkest moment and, and says to me, you know, I need you to know that Jesus loves you. And it wasn't some kook, you know, asking for money. And then he got up and left the treadmill or the recumbent bike next to me. That has nothing to do with translation, but that stuck with me. And that wasn't random. So, you know, I think Lisa, yeah, we could go all in all about these words, but I will, I want you to share that thing about, you know, like how many times is the word Christian actually shown in the Bible? I'm curious about that. And you would be the one who would know this. Well, um, it, it probably depends on what translation you're looking at, but it's about three times the word Christian is used in the New Testament. And two of those three times it was actually used as a derogatory term towards those who were followers of Jesus. So, you know, we, we've and, and the church obviously took the word Christian and said, OK, if you're going to call us Christians, then we'll be Christians and we'll be good at it. 
And my goodness, um, you know, now um, and, and for 2000 years, the word Christian meant somebody who follows Jesus. Um, but I, I'm kind of sad to say, I think in America, the term has kind of worn out its welcome in a lot of ways because of the behavior of some people that call themselves Christians have really, you know, turned their backs on people that needed God the most and um, turned into what what I and I'm not. I, 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 I'm sorry if I sound like I'm passing judgment on my fellow believers, but um, I've just seen so much, so many people turned away. You know, I think back in the 60s and 70s, just when I was growing up, that if you had long hair and sandals, if you were a hippie, don't bother go, walking into a Christian church because you will be met at the door and turned away. Well, that's not what Jesus wanted. Um, and there was a man called named Chuck Smith who who took those people and started his own church, which is now called Ch Calvary Chapel, and welcomed the hippies and welcomed the music. And if it wasn't for Chuck Smith and the Calvary Chapel, I'm sure somebody would have. But, you know, because he was willing to do what Jesus did and hang out with everybody, um, it really revol revolutionized the church. And now we have contemporary music and we have clapping and waving of hands and people can come to church in their shorts or their sandals or, you know, their pajamas if that's what need be. And they're welcome. And, you know, that that's what, you know, being a follower of Jesus is all about. Because if you read in the New Testament about the people that Jesus hung out with when he was here walking the earth, Jesus, we believe, is the son of God. Um, he did not hang out with the religious leaders. He actually had a lot of uh, harsh words for them. He hung out with the prostitutes. He hung out with the poor people. He hung out with the people that needed him the most. And that's what I believe he calls us to do. And um, and we're talking about buying Bibles and the word Christian. Uh, so we, we want Christian or followers of Jesus to mean somebody who follows Jesus and, and lives the way Jesus asked us to. Well, yeah, because, I mean, what I was really surprised, you know, and I'm not knocking any of these stores. You know, I'm a big shopper, and I'm kind of a fashionista. And I was like, ooh, like, there's the whole, like, Christian fashion sense. Like, you know, there's jewelry, and there's, you know, it was just interesting. Like, and not just the typical cross, you know. But I was really, I was really surprised at, you know, and I, of course, bought some T-shirts, and I bought some jewelry. <laughs> I fell right into the marketing. Um, because I enjoyed it, and it was fun, and it was a good reminder. But it really made me think about, like, what does that mean? And, you know, and you answered it so eloquently. It means, like, you know, people who follow Jesus, who are followers of the way, you know, as it's written in the Bible. And... I thought about all the Christians that strap on, you know, the bookstore stuff, that strap on the T-shirt, but they really aren't living that way. They aren't really following it because it's like you can totally be a Christian poser and not really study Jesus, and you really don't need all that stuff. And not to, you know, if you like it, fine. I bought it. You know, I've got tons of bookmarks and things like that. You know, that's fine. I'm not judging that. But at the end of the day, it's really about your beliefs and your your relationship with God that that makes it. Because then when I do work in third world countries, you know, there are not there are no you know, these bookstores don't exist. There might be one Bible in the whole town and you know, there's one person who can read it. So, you know, it's very interesting to me when I see the merchandising with respect to God and Christianity. Not that it's all bad. But I was really overwhelmed, Lisa, when I went in there. Um, and we went in there because the Adventure Bible that you got, Max, I wanted to get one for Zachy. And I didn't know they were at Sam's Club because after I ran all over town, <laughs> I found one at Sam's Club for less. 
Um, but when I went in there, the one that I did get had a lizard on the cover, and it was leather, and it was durable, and it was perfect for an eight-year-old boy. You know, whoever designed it just, you know, had beat it up in, in you know, in, in its making. Um, but I was overwhelmed, to be fair. There were digital versions. There were audio versions. There were CD servants. There were DVD series. And there was this, like, looming wall of Bibles, and they were every color, every... There just were so many. I, I just I didn't even know where to begin. It was completely overwhelming for a forty year old person who called themselves a Christian their whole life. It is overwhelming and there there are an awful lot of choices out there, which in a way is a good thing because we can get a Bible cover that kind of matches our own personality. Um, you know, with pink flowers or whatever on it. The and and, and the and, it, and it's a great thing that we have those choices. I, I know I, I looked at statistics statistics uh, not too long ago that the average American household has somewhere between three to five Bibles, um, I, which is wonderful. It would be nice if we were reading them. <laughs> I, think the country <laughs> I was going to say, I have a bunch. I haven't read them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of what to pick or what to choose, um, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about King James. I kind of grew up on the King James Bible and, and very, you know, the these and thous. And most people read that and go, I don't get this. And, you know, I think because I grew up on it, um, I understand it and I still like reading it. Um, I, I've kind of moved over to the new King James because I find when I'm like in a Bible study and I need to read a passage, I have to translate anyway and remove the these and thous. And I've actually been complimented on my translation abilities coming from King James to modern English. But um, but the funny thing is I can't I can't understand Shakespeare. I can read Shakespeare. It's the same language. As a matter of fact, I guess he translated part of the King James Bible. I can't understand it. So who knows? <laughs> but as far as buying a Bible or picking one, um, I, I'm not going to say pick this translation, pick that, um, because... Um, we kind of have to go by what what is understandable for you and, and what, you know, when you read it, does it resonate with you? Um, when I'm doing Bible study, I'll actually look at three or four different translations because since I don't speak the, the parent languages that they were written in, um, sometimes some translations have better, um, you know, the, the, the wording is a little better. Um, now, there's a, uh, there's a website that I use a lot. It's called BibleGateway.com. And the cool thing about that is you can... Um, you know, look at a look up a scripture or look up a verse, and then you can pick which translation you want to read it in, and um, and then they have reading schedules. Um, you know, they'll they'll send you an email every day saying read this passage or whatever. I haven't signed up for that, but it might be better. You know, instead of walking into a Christian bookstore and being overwhelmed by that wall of Bibles, um, go to a website like Bible Gateway and. Um, try that out and you can try the different translations. New International is a pretty common one. Um, I personally like the New King James um, just because it's King James without the these and thous. Um, uh, what are some other, I know a lot of people use the New English translation. Um, and, and what I'm hearing, and this is something I've kind of learned from my husband, is that you know, okay, so the King James Bible is translated. There was a Geneva Bible before that. Um, and then we went a couple of hundred years until the Bible was translated again. And because language is changing so quickly and 
technology is enabling the world to talk to each other like never before. Um, they're finding that the Bible needs to be retranslated much more often, like every five to ten years, just to keep up with the modern language and how fast it's changing. Um, so even if you get a translation today that really seems to work for you, you know, ten years from now it may seem obsolete also. Um, so, um, you know, try reading in the um, uh, Bible Gateway. Like I said, there's lots of different – how many – I think there's like 40 or 50 different translations, which can be overwhelming as well. But maybe pick, you know, some of the more standard ones. There's New American Standard. There's New King James. There's New International. Um, and, you know, just try some of these different translations and see how it reads. See if it kind of resonates with you. Um, and, and, and No, Lisa, and I will tell you, those books you gave my kids, you gave the Adventure Bible for early readers for Zach, and I think you gave an Adventure Bible, the regular one for Max, which was made for teenagers, but I will be the first one to say, you know, and like you said, like, I read a lot, I'm a big reader, mm -hmm. and I have found that the Adventure Bible for early readers, which has little stories about what was going on at the time and explains the words, what did you call it, the Christianese, you know, explains yep. some of these words in there that I don't know like when I grow up I will grow up into an adult Bible but for right now the adventure Bibles for early readers I know they're made for like three to ten year olds and then the other ones made for 13 to 18 year olds I'm not even up to the 13 to 18 year olds because I, I it's I'm that rudimentary in trying to understand these like I know the stories in my head but I don't know the meanings and I get so much out of it and then there's like little picture breaks and then there's a break with a sidebar with something interesting, you know, and I get something out of it every time. And it's, and it's amazing to me that I would be an educated scholar and enjoy reading the adventure Bible for early readers. And it's like 15 bucks. It's not going to break the bank. Right. Oh, that's great. Um, oh, those are fun. I love reading those and I love giving them to my grandkids. And um, I had what was called a Hosanna Bible that I still have. It's very, very precious to me because I read it to all my kids and my oldest grandson as well. And, and it's just like that. It's got the, the stories of the Bible. And, and this one's a little bit, actually, a little younger. I think this is for younger kids, toddlers. But that's a great place to start. I mean, the important thing is that you do start. And don't be intimidated by whichever one, you, you know, if you get an adventure Bible and, and you can understand it and it's explaining things you have questions for, then great. Read it. Do it. Yeah, because I figured I could, I could, you know, pretend and, you know, get this nice looking Bible, which somebody gave me and open it up and read it and get nothing out of it. Or I could find, you know, this one that's green with a lizard on the cover and it's leather. So if I spill something on the cover, it's fine. If it gets banged up in my purse, it's fine. But I can read it and then I can talk to my kids about it in a way that I understand because you're right at the end of the day it just matters that you understand it and I guess I just wanted to say to anybody listening today don't feel bad if you open a Bible in the hotel or you open a Bible in the store and you're like what the heck is that I don't understand it I don't get it we all start there and sometimes you're 40 years old with two kids hanging on you in a bookstore and you have that feeling so just keep looking until you find one that 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 can work for you. And for me, being stressed out, overexhausted, have to read for a living for a lot of my work, to be able to sit down and be able to have it spoon-fed, if you will, <laughs> to me so that I don't have to work too hard also means I'm more apt to do it. 
Exactly. And, and like I said, that's the most important thing is that you're doing it and reading it. Um, and I, I just want to share a couple of verses from the Bible because um, what we're what we're after is guidance and direction and understanding. First of all, before I read that, um, the Holy Spirit is what helps us to understand the things of God. If he doesn't, you know, if we and we can ask God to help us understand this because there's passages I don't get either. And I go ask my husband or I'll go online. Um, but um, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, you know, the, the, the Bible, the word of God is supposed to light our way and, and enlighten us so that we can walk through this journey of life. Um, and, and if we see it as that, um, then it's important that we understand what we're reading, first of all, so we can be enlightened and not, not you know, walk away dizzy and, you know, bump into a tree or something. Um, <laughs> but also um, Hebrews 4, um, 12 says the word of God is a living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um and that's where, um, you know, something may not seem understandable or really all that important one time when you read it. And the next time it's like, wow, where'd that come from? I, I don't even remember seeing that before. Um, that doesn't mean that the meaning changes, but it, it means something to us where we are right now in our lives. And that's why reading it more than once is important. And, and reading it every day or often is important. And even if it's the, the adventure Bible you're still getting the word of God there. You're getting his word and he's teaching you and he's, you're learning and, it, and it's bringing light to your life and, and understanding and, and lighting our path. So, um, and, and more importantly than that, it, it, it cuts, cuts through the minutia of our life and, and helps us to see what's really important in our lives and what isn't and what can. Well, yeah. And, you know, and, and it, and sometimes like, you know, like I think of myself in my 20s, and it's like I didn't really have to learn a whole lot about forgiveness in my 20s. It was just a concept. It was something that, that you know, people talked about. But I will tell you, walk this earth for 40 years, and, you know, those forgiveness passages really start to resonate. So, you know, right. something that you learn as a fact when you're young you know, you don't, you, you learn it as a fact, but it doesn't really sink in and it doesn't really become part of you until you have an experience. And then you go back and you read that passage or you read that, hear that story and it takes on a whole new meaning. And that's, you know, I never understood why people had a lifelong study of the Bible. There was part of me, Lisa, I swear to God, that was like, God, how do they read the same book over and over? Like, like, you know, one, it's long. So I get that you have to read it over and over, but you know, it was only when I got older that I realized, oh, it's because we change and we relate to the stories in different ways and we learn things in different ways and they have different value to us. You know, but I was a typical snob going like, why on earth do these people sit around reading the same book over and over like Oprah's book club doing the same thing for 30 years? Like, don't they get it? And it was really me who didn't get it. Oh, I remember you asked me that one time. What? You didn't get it the first time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean to be hurtful out of ignorance, but, you know, that was, you know, ignorance on my part. I really, I really didn't understand it. And I think a lot of educated women, you know, get stuck in their brain because you think you're supposed to read it to learn, to, like, to, to mine for information. And it really doesn't work that way. 
Well, and that and that's where just like you were talking about before, just opening up to one page and going, oh, what am I going to get from this today? Um, it, it needs to be taken in context, and you need to understand the Bible is 66 different books. Um, I I can relate it to, I know the Re Reader's Digest used to have their condensed books where it was one book, but it actually had four books in it. Um, the Bible is kind of like that. It's not condensed, but it's it's a collection. It is a library, if you will, of 66 smaller books and um, and um, written by, um, oh, how many different authors? I want to say about 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years. So, um, you know, you have to take it as that, that, yes, it does, most, the Bible is bound now in, in one book, but it really isn't one book. It's 66 separate books. And if we take it like that, then you can break it down. Well, let's just read the book of John. Let's just read that one first. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, because I didn't know that. I just thought, like, you know, it was. I had no idea. And, and I learned from you later on. But at the time, I had no idea it was written over 1,500 years. I had no idea it was, you know, 66 different books. And I would just open it like it was the magic eight ball. You know, you shake it and go, what should I do today? And, you know, again, my own ignorance and not not realizing what I was holding in my hand. It's like, you know, like Indiana Jones, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, they open it like, Whoa! you know, it, it is like that. But I think it has to be, too, like when you're ready, you know, I think because people have presented, you know, Bible study to me, you know, prior to this or they've mentioned things or like even when we talked, I'm like, why did you read it over and over? Did you get it? Didn't get it the first time. Um <laughs> you got to be ready for it, you know, and you've got to be, it's got to be a choice that you make for a lifestyle. And I know that sounds awful because it seems so overwhelming, but I know when I finally surrendered that I can't do this the way I've been doing it and I needed help and I needed guidance and I turned myself over to God, you know, and it does, it has made my life better. I can, I can't say for certain that I know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God, but what I can tell you is that when you believe in God and, you know, for me, my faith in Jesus Christ and following the Bible and following this has completely turned my life around. It's gotten me through. I don't know how I would get through it through life without it, I would suffer a lot more. So my life selfishly is better with my Christian faith, with my belief in God, my belief in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. From a very selfish perspective, my life is better because of it. So I'm going to do it. And, you know, I wish I was more eloquent, you know, and, you know, had a calling or had a epiphany. <laughs> But selfish little old me just goes, wow, my life is better when I follow this. My life is better when I do this. My life is better when I pray. My life is better when I go to church. So if it's better for you, it, it works. And, you know, it, as prosaic as that sounds. Well, but that's kind of the basis. I, I would say how many of us make choices for things that are worse for us, but, you know, we have a huge drug problem and alcohol problem in this country, so I'm not going to use that analogy. But you're right, you know, and um, and yet I also know people who come to faith and their lives take a turn for the worse because there's trials that they need to go through to strengthen them and, and to make sure that they're leaving behind the things that they need to leave behind in their lives. So I'm not going to say that everybody's life will be better if you're following Jesus 
Um, you know, Jesus' life when he was here was not all that great because he had a group of uh, religious leaders following him around, trying to catch him, make mis trying to catch him, trying to help, you know, uh, trip him up, uh, trying to catch him doing something wrong so that they could kill him, basically. So even his life here was not all that great, and he ended up getting killed anyway, and he did nothing wrong. So I'm not going to say that your life will always be better. But definitely, if you have that faith and you know that God is there and you know there's a God, <laughs> that God is there and he's taking you through it and he's bigger than any problem that we could have. And and we can look back through history and go, you know, the church started with Jesus coming to earth as God in the flesh, walking around for 30 years, some thereabouts. Um, gathered a collection of 12 friends that he taught for three years and then sent out to spread his word. And 2,000 years later, here we are in, you know, Western United States or wherever you are, um, something happened there. Something huge happened there. Something very spiritual and, and powerful happened between the time that Jesus was hanging out with those 12 guys was crucified, rose again, and then left. Um, he left his Holy Spirit on them, and they um, were, you know, went from cowering in a in a room, scared to death that they were going to be the next ones crucified. Um, and then, you know, a matter of weeks later, um, standing in the middle of the synagogue preaching, "Jesus is risen." Um, something very powerful happened there, and it happened in their life, and it'll happen in our lives if we just give God a chance to do that. And his word is a very important part. And the cool thing is we have it all bound together. I mean, even 500 years ago, people did not have access to Bibles to read on their own and they probably couldn't read anyway. Um, you know, and it's huge that we have his word. We have it not just in writing um, Bible gateway. And there's a lot of other uh, websites now that you can listen to the Bible. Um, you know, when you're driving in your car or download it as a podcast um, for those that, that don't get into reading, you can listen to it. And then they'll they'll stumble through those big city names and those people's names that we can't pronounce. <laughs> well, and the app, like I have apps on, I have an app on my iPhone that allows me to pick a passage and toggle it between like the different versions. And that's always kind of interesting and cool to me. Um, but I wanted to follow up on something you said, Lisa. You said, you know, like your life necessarily you know won't be better just because you choose to follow Jesus Christ or you choose to believe in God but I'm going to go one step further and say you're right Lisa your life might not be better but I'm going to add on to that but you will because one of the things that faith has given me it has given me the strength to get through things I had no idea I could get through it gave me a place to put my troubles down so I could could focus on what I needed to do to either get myself out of this mess or take care of my children or do what I needed to do. It gave me a whole tool set of things I could do to manage my anxiety, to manage my fear. In fact, it pulled a lot of fear off my shoulders. As in, we all know fear, fear holds us back. Fear cripples us. Fear helps us make decisions that aren't in our best interest. And, you know, my belief and my faith has given me strength to endure things that most people would turn to drugs or alcohol or sex or self-punishing things. You know, and I've, I've done some of those things. I've made wrong turns in my life, of course. But I can handle 
my life better because of this. So I'm just going to say out there, you're right. Your life won't be better. Your life, you can't change the things around you. Only God can. And your faith, though, can make you better. And that's that, I think, is a very powerful distinction. Absolutely. And it gives you a different perspective. If you're looking at everything as just the here and now, the physical, um, you know, it may seem pretty sucky. And and even in the U.S., we have it pretty good here. I mean, look at, um, you know, people in, in uh, third world countries, like you say, that, that don't even have a Bible around. And yet if they have their faith, they have a different perspective on all that. And God gives us a perspective that will get us through. And not only that, we now know we're not alone, that he's there with us, that we have other believers around us. And uh, you're absolutely right. It may not change the physical circumstances of your life at all, but it definitely gives you a new perspective. God will give you a perspective that will get you through it. And a faith, and the faith, um, the love that throws out fear, um, because, um, because that's what it's all about. When, when God puts his love in your heart, that will just cast out the fear and there's no stopping you at that point. Right, right. There's no stopping you. And, you know, fear, anxiety, unworthiness, you know, all these things hold us back in our life. And, you know, we look to people to support us and we do need people. You know, we talked a lot about that and, you know, we're going to talk about in this, you know, next half of our show, we're going to talk about, you know, choosing a Bible group and how to choose um, you know, women and friends or men, whatever, in you know, in faith, faith sisters or faith brothers, um, you know, how we're going to choose some of those things. But at the end of the day, a lot of times when you're woke up at two o'clock in the morning and you're ruminating and you're anxious and you're frightened and you don't know what to do, having God to talk to is really helpful. Having prayers to say till you fall back asleep is a huge tool. You know, ha knowing that you're never alone. You know, my children have been through a lot the last three years. And I teach them that you are never alone. God is with you. God will watch out for you. And, you know, they're little guys, so it's kind of a form of brainwashing right now. But I need them to know that into their bones, that they are never alone, because my faith is what has gotten me through the rough points in my life. And I need to give them, you know, that that tool to go on in their own life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we were never meant to do this all alone. You know, and some people think that, that faith is a crutch or a weakness, but really, you know, if we're ignoring the spiritual part of our bodies, we're ignoring a huge part. It's like ignoring your legs, um, you know, or your arms. Um, the faith is in, in the, our spiritual um, being just because we can't see it or touch it doesn't mean it's not there. Um, to me, my, my soul is what I'm looking out of right now through my body, you know, through my eyes that 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 I know is there because I'm alive. And um, and you're right. You know, when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning, um, stressed out about life, knowing that you can talk to God, that you can open up his word and read it um, brings peace. And, and the cool thing, you know, the Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding. People can't understand why we're so much at peace. Um, I, this, uh, a job I used to work at, one of my bosses was just a real, um, high strung woman that was always nervous about everything and stressing out over everything. And she didn't understand that the peace that I had, she misinterpreted that as not caring. 
And I had to sit down one day and say, no, it's not that I don't care. I just know God's helping me to get through this and take care of this. So I'm not worried about it. And I'm not going to stress out because it doesn't help me. <laughs> it makes things worse, really. <laughs> so. Well, that's, that's the reason that we, that, you know, I titled this series, Lisa, you know, and I'm so glad that you said that because I knew you'd say it eventually. But, you know, when we talk about in God's hands, you know, when you are able to put things in God's hands, you can have a peacefulness and a calmness that people don't understand. And, yeah, they think you're not taking responsibility for it. You're not taking you're not taking it seriously. And you're right. You're not because there are only certain things that you can be responsible for. There's only things that you can be serious about. You cannot take everything as you walk this planet, you know, to heart, to seriousness, to everything, because you're going to be so stressed out, you will not be able to function. You'll blow out your adrenals. You're, you know, we look at women dying of heart disease, you know, equal to men now because of stress, because of all these things. And, and again, like I said, I just know that faith makes my life better. I feel better. I am healthier. I am more loving to myself and my children. I make more money. I'm more powerful. And I'm going to put it all back to my belief system, my faith, because I know I need to do what I need to do. And I let God do the rest. And when you lift off that mantle of worry, when you lift off that mantle of control, and you know that things are predestined and things are happening for a reason, you don't take all your energy fighting the why. You don't take all your energy fighting what you can't fix, you can't control, you can't. So so put it over to God and then do what you can do. You know, it's so simple. It's so funny. You know, I wish I had, had come to this conclusion sooner because my life is more chaotic today than it's ever been as a single mother, soul supporting, you know, without my mother, you know, but I am so much more centered because of my faith. And, you know, to me, that's the biggest, you know, if people want some sort of statement, some sort of, you know, like, why do you, why are you a Christian? That's why it makes my life better. I can do more with my life. I can, I can, I'm happier, you know, and I'm not delusional. Absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing is, is what is it they say, you know, 95% of the things that we worry about will never come to happen anyway. And yet so many people are still picking up that 95% and worrying about it. And, you know, and, and that's what God says, just, you know, lay your burdens on me, I'll take care of it. And, um, and, and that's where we'll, we'll kind of transition into, you know, studying the Bible and, and getting together with a group of people um, of like mind to kind of learn together. Um, it's very important um, that we that we try to seek out that kind of relationship um, or fellowship, if you will. Um, and most churches have some kind of study group going. Um, and again, that that's where you kind of have to put yourself out a little bit and be willing to take another hour or two out of your week to get together and meet with a group of people. Um, and um, and just study the Bible together. That's where we really not only do we, um, you know, learn more and, and get to know each other. Um, that That's really where church happens, because that's where you're you're able to be a little more intimate and, and um, you know, open up a little bit more with each other and actually start building relationships um, so that we can carry one another through difficult times together. And as far as how to choose a Bible study. Um, you know, it kind of depends on the church where you're going. Um, 
Um, uh, some churches will do studies that are associated with the sermon series that they're going through. Some of them will have topical studies for men or women. It, it just kind of depends. It's very individualized depending on where you go as to what types of studies there are. Um, and some of them are very specific. Um, you know, we have an AA group at our church for, specifically for recovering, you know, drug and alcohol addicts. We have a group, a women's Bible study that just gets together and reads through the Bible. And it's cute because now they have the CDs, so they, they'll play it for those parts where they're naming a bunch of names. Um, we have another group that, that will study through, you know, work through a Christian book and read through it and, and you know, with a Bible study. Um, there's a lot of different types of studies that, that are out there, and it's a good thing um, because we can, not only are we learning the Bible, but we can learn how it applies to our particular situations in life and, and the recovery we need to get through or the burdens that we need to drop, the, the baggage, the emotional baggage from, you know, hurts and, and difficult times in our lives. Um, there's a lot available out there. It's just a matter of kind of seeking it. Once again, you seek and you will find the help that you need, the, the knowledge that you need, and God will lead you if you just ask him, you know, hey, I want to learn more about you. I, I you know, I just, I, I don't even know where to turn right now. Um, you know, let's start by getting into a church that we're comfortable in and then start looking for studies. And I mean, maybe that's a question you ask when you visit, you know, do you have weekly Bible studies? Some churches still have Sunday school classes. Ours does. Some don't. Kind of depends. Um, but there's a lot of um, a lot of opportunities out there if we just look for them. Well, and I think, you know, it's kind of the same criteria that we talked about, you know, in the first episode of this series, um, you know, which you guys can check out on iTunes, Powered Up Talk Radio, uh, Women in Faith series, or you can go to, to uh, PoweredUpTalkRadio.com and pull up the first episode. Um, you know, some of the criteria we talked about, Lisa, I think applies here for Bible studies, because I've been to some great Bible studies that are in women's houses. I think of my friend Donna down in the valley, and she had one, and I just loved it. You know, she had these little workbooks. All I remember is they said rejoice on them, and you could journal, and, and you know, she just led us through this group, not kind of as the Bible leader. She was the, the leader, but we would read the passage. We'd all talk about it. Then she would share some knowledge, and then we would journal our own thoughts and feelings about it. And that was exactly what I needed at the time. I, I, I didn't I was too intimidated by the structure of a formal class and I couldn't absorb anything more. And these were, you know, women that, you know, had left abusive relationships. That was the, the focus of this. So, you know, it was interesting to me, but, you know, I think we should put it to like that, that head, heart, gut check. You know, it made sense to me in my head. It felt good in my heart and my gut told me this was what, I needed. And I think, you know, with the, the vast choices out there, and some are good and some are not so good, and who are you or and I to say exactly, this is what you need, this is where you need to go. Because if you're a recovering alcoholic, if you're newly divorced, if you're newly married, if you've just had a baby, you know, there's all these life things that cause us to evaluate our faith if a family member died or a family member was injured or you were injured and all of a sudden you have this re-examination of faith or a reconnection or a reaching out to faith 
you know, who's, who are Lisa and I to say, you know, what you should choose, but, you know, we're giving you the best, you know, exposure that we can to tell you how to look. We can't tell you exactly what to look for, but we can give an idea of how to look. Because, Lisa, I will tell you, you know, when you left and I didn't have your stuff uh, to, to lean on anymore, I went to a couple different groups and I found this one group where I live and it was horrifying. You know, the women left feeling defeated deflated, frustrated, and the only one who puffed up like a peacock was the leader. And I did my heart, head, heart, gut check, and I thought, well, she certainly knew her stuff, you know, to be fair, but her heart was in about making herself feel better and be the expert, so I felt kind of beaten down, and when I did my gut check, I kind of had a stomach ache after it, so I thought, well, this is not the right place to be, this is not the right place for me, and this might be God's word and, and study of God's, you know, laws and books, the 66 books, but it wasn't in a place that I needed to be. And I think that's why I divert always to the head, heart, gut check. Yeah, and and yet you're right. I mean, we can't, you know, I can't tell you what kind of study you need to be in. Um, the important thing is you get plugged into some sort of um, semi-formal group at some point. I think at first, I mean, it depends on where you are in your life. If you haven't set ever set foot in a church or you haven't been in church for years and years, take baby steps. Just take those baby steps to get in the door. <laughs> and if you sit in the back and cry, that's okay. <laughs> Just yeah, I did, and I'm fine. Nobody put me in a straitjacket yet. And, and there's some great stuff online, too. There's some great radio pro, uh, uh, programs. There's some great podcasts. I'm not going to uh, put down any any of the you know electronic media out there. Even there's some good stuff on TV, but you got to be careful. You know, if they're just begging for money and and you know, then just walk away. <laughs> but there's some, really, like I love, there's some radio shows I love listening to, and you know, and again, you kind of give it the check, like it, you know, are they are they, you know, I call it the head heart gut check. Yeah. Go from your head to your heart to your gut. Check it out. If it feels good, you're probably okay. Well, and, and to a certain extent, I think sometimes if we're challenged in our faith that maybe there's, you know, something that we need to let go of or something we need to start doing, um, sometimes that doesn't feel so good. But it's kind of like, um, uh, again, back to the physical analogy, I'm out of shape. I know I need to work out. And that doesn't feel so good when I look in the mirror and go, ugh. You know, that doesn't feel good. And, and that will happen spiritually at times, too. Um, but it kind of depends. Like you're saying, if you walk away, if everyone's walking away feeling defeated, and uh, then maybe that's not a good fit. Um, but at some point, we do need to, you know, look at those spiritual challenges and go, yep, okay, time to get that into shape. I need to work on this thing. It shouldn't be everything overwhelming you, though. Um, you know, God doesn't... Um, I, I love that saying that God loves you right where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. He's not going to take you and, and do a full makeover all at once, more than likely. He's going to take you one little step at a time, one little piece at a time. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. And he's going to work on us as long as we're available and willing to um, take those steps. So the first step is just to get into the, you know, get in the door, get in there open up a Bible or find a book or listen online, listen to a radio, you know, um, you know, find something that that's kind of um, sound. And, and, and I like that, you know, the head, heart, gut um, that, that seems to resonate with where you are. And then we'll take it from there. 
Yeah, because you're right, Lisa. It's not all perfect. It's like our government. You know, we've got three branches, you know, of our government, like a set of checks and balances. And that's really all I'm saying is the head, heart, gut check, because a lot of times our head will go, wow, she's right. I know I need to hear that. And then your heart will be like, oh, you know, you're going to have to make some changes. And then your gut's like, I'm afraid to make changes. But your head, heart, and gut are kind of all leading you to the fact that that some changes in your life may need to be made or these things are happening. So, right, it's not just about feeling good and they don't all have to be in synergy. But we can get in real trouble if we just listen to our head. And we can get in real trouble if we just listen to our heart. And if we don't listen to our gut, you know, that gets us in trouble too. So I just like to give those as kind of like a meter reading because there's, you know, there's never a perfect, you know, 100% score on each head, heart, and gut. There's always going to be something. But I think if you check in with those three things, you'll probably know that you're in the right place. Because I think about what you said about, like, you know, some of this stuff doesn't feel good. You're right. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to find out that one of the things you've been thinking or believing or doing for the last 30 years is not right. You know, there's guilt, there's shame, there's fear, there's denial, there's excuses. You know, we go through all those things. But usually if you take a minute to do that head, heart, gut check, you know, you're going to find out, what you need to do best for you because even though you want to lean on people's faith and borrow their wisdom and at the end of the day the decision's up to you right and there's only you know you can't lean on other people's faith for your whole life um but you know what we're talking about is just taking those first steps um pushing a little bit forward and the cool thing is is that this is where god wants you to be he wants you to turn to him he wants to have a relationship with you he is going to be leading. He's going to be directing. He will be setting up divine appointments, just like he did with you and me, um, to to meet up with other people, just the right person that you need. Maybe it's a guy that walks up and just says, you know, Jesus loves you. Um, that's beautiful. And he's going to be doing that if you just open up your heart and mind and gut to allow him to do that and, and just seek him. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing the way God works. And, and sometimes we look back and go, wow. I, I think even in your life, Sandra, to look back and go, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I know you were going through difficult times, but I had no idea when I sat down and just shared some of the details of my life that I don't share with many people um, that, that that's what you needed to hear. And, Amazing. You know, and that was Isn't something it, you know? that I just really trust that God moved me to do that and to share that with you. Well, and because there's too many of these, Lisa, to be coincidence. You know, I call it the bowling for Christians at that time. I felt like I was bowling, you know, and it, like a bowling ball went down and boom, and it knocked all these pins in front of me. And everyone seemed to be like, you need to go, you need to get back to church. You need to get closer to your faith. You need to, to work on your uh, belief systems. You know, you need to figure out, you know, what's going to help you with this. And here is, you know, too many, too many, too many. You know, I'm not kidding you. At that point in my life, there was, you know, just people coming to me from all these areas, say, random, random people. And I didn't know them. And I didn't, it wasn't like I was seeking out it. They just, 
like the bowling pin. They just showed up in front of me, and I bumped into it like the ball. And, you know, and I think when I hit the ninth person in, like, two weeks, that's when I called you, and I said, Lisa, I said, it's like bowling for Christians down here. I can't go down the aisle without bumping into one who's given me a message that this is the way, this is the, 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 this is, this is the way you need to go, which is funny that you talk about, you know, early Christians were called followers of the way. So I became a follower of the way because I was bouncing off. I just, I, I was lost and, you know, to find the way and then to have all these random guideposts, if you will, saying you're going the right way. Okay, go down this way. This is the way. This is the way. And it all led back to my faith was really an extraordinary experience. Well, and I don't believe in coincidence. Um, God, God, you know, I believe God is in control of everything and um, he allows us to make choices, bad or good. But he also will uh, even use our bad choices to guide us and teach us and bring us to where he wants us to be. So, um, you know, and and I know he put those Christians in front of you. And I've actually uh, I've actually prayed that prayer for other people that I know that are going through difficult times. Like, Lord, just surround them with Christians. Just just help them not to be able to bump into anything without finding somebody that's going to lift them up and bring them to where they need to be. And um, he'll do that, you know, I like and I really don't believe in coincidence. Um, things happen for a reason. And um, and, you know, and that's a beautiful thing about about knowing that there's an all powerful God out there that's looking after us, that cares about us and loves us and wants us to be in a place where we're learning and growing and and becoming stronger physically, mentally, spiritually, psychologically. Um, he wants all that for us. He doesn't want us to be broken and weak um, for our entire lives. There are times when maybe we need to get broken down so that we can lay aside some of the things that were causing us those grief, that grief. And um, sometimes he'll allow us to be broken. Um, but well, yeah, he allowed his own son to be crucified. So, you know, why should... You know, that's kind of his methodology. I mean, you just go, why would everything be easy for me if he let his own son be crucified? Well, and, you know, I think he created things to be easy. I mean, you think about the Garden of Eden. He met, set everything in place, you know, put everything there, put a man and a woman in there and said, here, take care of it and and have a wonderful life. I'll be back tomorrow to walk with you. And, you know, we we, we just couldn't wait to run off and do our own thing. So it wasn't meant to be this way. God didn't mean it to be this way. But there is a cosmic story that's being played out, and we're part of it. And, yes, sending his son to be crucified was part of that story. Our lives are part of that story. And someday, you know, when this is all over, we may – we'll be able to look back and see – how our lives fit in and how God was working in our lives. And for now, we just have to know that he is there and he is working and that we need to see his hand and his work in, in the quote unquote coincidences of our lives and give him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you put it so eloquently, you know, when people ask me about my faith, 
I always like to just say to them, like, well, why don't you try it? Like, you know, you, you can always change. You don't have to. You know, it's not like you're, you're, you know, going to sign on this forever and, you know, like sign into the Army and you can't get out for 190 days. Why don't you try it? Try prayer. Try going to church. Try reading the Bible. Try Try it. You know, it's like, what do you have to lose? And you have everything to gain. And, you know, when I meet people who say, well, you know, dead is dead and there's no afterlife and there's no anything. I can look at them and say, you're right. I don't know for a fact that there is. I don't have any, you know, proof that I can take to this discovery channel and prove, prove, prove. So you can prove so you can feel satisfied. But the fact of the matter is my belief system makes my life better. I live happily. I'm more productive. I make more money. I'm a better parent. I, I have this tool bag, like I talked about that I can reach into when I need it and my life's better. So you know what, if, if I'm dead in the afterlife, I find out that this was all a big fantasy. Who cares if I'm dead and that's all there is? What did I really lose versus, you know, what do I gain by living a happier, richer, fuller, more productive life? I mean, to me, it's like a no-brainer. Well, and that kind of gets down to the idea of purpose. Um, if If there is no life after death, if there is no God, if we weren't created, then we have no purpose. Our lives are without purpose. And I can't imagine living day to day not thinking there's some kind of higher purpose for my life and, and, and the circumstances I'm in than to just die and be buried in the dirt and that's it. Um, that to me is the biggest downer, the saddest thing. And quite honestly, I think that explains a lot of the horrible things that go on in this world is that when people really truly believe there's no purpose, there's no afterlife, there's no consequences to what they do, then what's to stop them from doing some of the horrific things that people do to one, one another? There's no right and wrong, there's no rules, there's no lawgiver, nothing. And that's very devastating to any kind of society. It's definitely devastating our society. And, um, you know, yeah, give God a shot, give him a chance. Your life will never be the same. I mean, if you come face to face with Jesus, it's your decision whether you're going to accept him for who he is or walk away. But I will guarantee you, your life will never be the change, never be the same either way. And that may be a little scary, but this it's scarier to think of somebody going through life thinking there's absolutely no purpose for them or anyone around them or for this life at all and no reason for it. Um, that's not only scary, but just that's the ultimate tragedy. That is. You know, Lisa, I have to wrap up this show. Uh, this is show number two in our Women of Faith series, In God's Hands. I'd like to leave you guys with a quote, which you're going to laugh about this. This is from a rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. You can find him on the Internet. When I looked up what is my purpose, and I was trying to figure out what purpose meant and what it meant to me, he said, where the gifts God gave you meet the needs of the world, there is God's will. So the gifts that God gave me and Lisa are the gifts of communication, the gift of understanding, the gift of relating. The needs of the world are that there are these needs out there to know the Bible, to know Jesus, to know God, to know faith. And when I look at that, Lisa, I think that we did some of our life's purpose here today because we met the needs of the world with the gifts that God gave us. This is Sandra Beck, Powered Up Talk Radio. I invite you to come back to listen to the third part of this series in Women of Faith in God's Hands. Thank you very much, and may God bless you. 
We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind The Real Cougar Woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website, poweredupwithbeckandfranklin.com, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toginet.com.